All right, guys. Welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, a.k.a. James. That is John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And, John, it's been a hiatus, a bit of a hiatus here. I think I don't even know if we were going to come back or if we planned on coming back. And then I just randomly shot you a text this morning. (laughs) I was like, hey, maybe we should maybe we should record something. Well, you know, everyone keeps asking us to come back, but I, I had, we were, we were very much to be determined after, after the draft. And yeah. I mean, honestly, dude, like I have taken such a break, like the whole situation from all of it has just absolutely, I don't know. It's damaged my love for the game, I guess. It's like, I just can't get into it in the way that I had been. And yeah, which is kind of a shame, kind of a shame, but you know, I mean, you sending me that message today and me just kind of thinking about it. And it's like, it is, it is a nice refresh. So, yeah, you know, maybe we can just kind of start all over. Yeah. That's kind of the way I see it. Honestly, I see this kind of like a, a fresh start, like a full flush out of like what it was in the past millions of people added and teams here and new, everybody's kind of gone on and done their own thing. And then, you know, we took a long break. Life got different and got busy and, I think uh, other hobbies came and just like all our routines were all changed up. And, and then you add to the fact that like, yes, for like, if you honestly think about it, I mean, for six, five and a half of the six years we've been an entity, we've been here almost every week. And let's just be honest here. The last two years have been somewhat miserable to, Someone bring ourselves to <laughs> you know like between so come here and talk the situ- like. yeah between the situation and like just everything around it i mean we sat here and we always tried to be essentially the most optimistic of the people out there covering um we always tried to look on the bright side we always tried to keep a situation kind of in perspective like we are an expansion team still like we're a 20 year old expansion team at this point but we are still like the younger franchise. We have ownership that hasn't figured it out. We have, we don't have institutional memory like a lot of these older franchises do. And we don't have history because the yeah. Titans stole it, but that's regardless. Um, but we don't, we don't really have any of that. So yeah. we would always try and keep that back of our minds in regards to, to the coverage, um, back of the minds when just like discussing like nationwide coverage like we don't have former hall of famers in the espn booth for the abc booth for the fox booth like a lot of the other franchises do that are just sitting in the praises regardless of how good the team may or may not be we just did not have that yeah and so we came on and we would sit there and we would try and point that out and try and just say hey we're still gonna enjoy following this team here's the positives to look bad here's all the things that could potentially break the right way but the past two years, it just really hit home that these things weren't breaking the right way. Like everything that could go wrong and then legitimately the worst way possible did go wrong in the worst way possible. And so now we're at a point where we've essentially got an expansion team again, like a fresh start, um, very young quarterback. We have an older established coach and Levy Smith, who would be a perfect coach for, for an expansion team. If you were to start a new franchise today, uh, we have, Casario, whom who knows what he's his actual role was with New England, but now he's got full power here. 
And now he's running the team and he is essentially stripping it of all the parts from beforehand. So it is legitimately a hard reset. And as us, as fans, just going through these hard resets and going through, you know, starting over from Bill O'Brien and even previous regimes before that, like it, it was just disheartening, but that was one thing. And then to have the QB who should not be named that situation on top of it, like perfect timing for that bomb to go off as well. Like it just made it really, really hard to care about football. And especially the way that people still talk about him and the case around it. Like it just made it tough. Yeah. So this past summer, like I, I'm pretty much clueless right now on how, how the Texans really are. Um, I watched maybe 15 minutes total of the preseason um, I did watch Damian Pierce highlights because, you know, something to get excited about. And, of course, yeah. we still do have our season tickets, so we've, we've got to get up to speed eventually. And right now it's like maybe we can go men with just, like, lowered expectations and not necessarily to be positive or negative, but just trying to be realistic and just try and enjoy it and try and enjoy the, the, the rebuild, I hope, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, a couple things there. But, like, I, I agree. I think it was good for us to really honestly unplug um, to try to come in with unbiased views and just kind of get back to where we were, where we started in the sense of just being, you know, unfiltered. We just kind of gave you guys our raw thoughts. They weren't really reviewed prior to, like it, it was just our authentic selves. And I think now with, with everything that's happening and with, you know, Deshaun gone um, and Nick here and doing a full, cleanse of everything that he inherited and um you know lovey being here you know not i wasn't a huge fan of lovey when we hired him i'm not going to sit here and say i'm a huge fan of lovey now i probably would have been better if lovey was hired when coley came because i feel like that just would have made a lot more sense Um, oh definitely and it would have helped the team but you know with where we're at like does a Brandon Staley or like, like it's hard to want, like it's hard to see some of these top tier coaching candidates want to be here. Right. There was a huge cloud blooming hanging over the entire Texans organization. It was coming from all angles. It was coming from fans. It was coming from media. It was coming from ex players. It was coming from current players. I mean, it was really just like the largest cloud over a team I've seen. in you know, maybe in all of sports, I don't know if I've seen anything, like what we saw from B.O.B. shipping out and and all the things we went through with B.O.B. to Nick Casario, Deshaun Watson, David Coley, now Levy Smith, a full cleanse of the roster, you know, trading off Deshaun and getting a massive haul. And, you know, there's just – there were so many moving parts that had to happen for – in my opinion, for fans to really uh, and 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 still, a lot of fans don't do this. A lot of fans can't seem to. They're they're really clinching on to the past. They're they're really honestly mm-hmm. looking at it as like, yeah, but this and that and Bob and the you know the DeAndre Hopkins trade was a huge co- topic of conversation the other day when Ross Blacklock was traded. Um, and I I I, I get it. I, I don't want to sit here and dismiss and say like your approach or your, your thoughts on the, on, on the team are invalid. They're not, I guess I just, I I've looked at this since Nick came as a full on 
refresh and start of a whole new cycle. And until we have an opportunity to see what the product is on the field and if it's moving in a positive direction, I have no reason to sit here and be mad about everything that happened in the past because it, it, it's not going to impact what happens in the 2022 season, the 2023 season. It's all over now. All, all of the mess is cleaned up. The cap is fixed. The, the draft picks, they're back. Like, there's just so many different things. Could you have gotten more for Hop? Yeah, we all know we could have. We knew it the day it was happened. Like, it wasn't like a some strange thing. Like, everybody was in agreement, but that was also two years ago now. Like, we're past that. It doesn't matter. Those those picks would have been used, and it is what it is. So, now with Davis Mills, uh, Lovey, uh, you know, the two first-round picks we had this year, a pretty solid draft potentially yet again by Nick Casario, it's looking like. Um, a couple of UDFAs making making the roster. I'm going to be honest, though, and I think this is kind of what you were hinting at. Because we were so unplugged for so long, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that I'm 100% familiar with the roster at this point. Um, so when it comes to the deeper players that we would typically discuss and that we thought should have a chance at like a starting role and things of that nature, I'm not there yet. I'll get back there pretty quickly, but it's not something I've spent a lot of time on. I, I watched one preseason game. Um, I've watched all the film on Damian Pierce. I love Derek Stingley. So I guess probably what we should do before we get into, and we got about 15 minutes. We, what, what we should do is get into what has happened since we were gone. Because yeah, I think it fair. makes sense. I, I think it makes sense for, because it's going to give us everything we need to know to get us to where we are today. So yeah. last week, last we talked was the draft. But we didn't really talk. It was a live draft. We didn't really give our thoughts on the trade. So the trade happens. Deshaun ends up at Cleveland. Who cares? I don't, I don't really care where Deshaun ended up. I don't really care if we never talk about him ever again. Um, but the return was three first-round picks, a couple other picks, uh, later-round picks. And, you know, it's really turned into uh, – it, it turned into a, a pretty good return for what most people expected to not be a good return for some strange reason. Um, talent will always uh, prevail in the NFL. Talent will always be wanted in the NFL. And as we've seen time and time again, character really does not play a part in the decisions of the owners. It is hands down just a business decision for them. How do they win? And what do they got to pay to do it? And the Cleveland Browns gave up yeah. a ton to get Deshaun Watson. And honestly, I, I was super stoked about the trade, to be honest with you. I, I thought Nick played the, his hand beautifully. I don't, I don't know if it could have been. It was a it was a masterful piece of work. Yeah, I mean, Nick got as much as he possibly could. Um, he had made some comments after the fact that led you to believe that he tried to get players too, but he was kind of hamstrung by Deshaun Watson's um, representation. Um, with that no-trade clause, like, they seemed pretty content to draw it out at as long as they could, like, whereas Nick wanted to get it done by the, I think, by the draft, which yeah, whether or not how we view it at the time, like, on hindsight being 2020, like, Casario ultimately, I think, played it best that he could. And also with a little bit of that desire to just get it over with, like, just to be done. Um, could he have probably pushed back and could he have tried to stare at um, – the, the representation um, 
and see if they would have blinked possibly but we also didn't know what was going to come up with the suspension like so to get any sort of to get the return that he did with the situation going on and to get it in time for the draft so we could actually get these picks yeah i think he handled it the best that he possibly could um would i what would i have done differently i don't know i might have been maybe a little bit more emotional whereas held out for exactly what i wanted and risk the suspension and not getting anything at all. Like, I mean, could I have done that? Possibly, but there's a reason why I'm not the GM of an NFL team. There's a reason why I don't have to deal with, what is it at this point, like half a billion dollar worth of assets with the players. Like, so you have to give Casario that. And, you know, and also just to be done with it. Like there is real value in that, just being done with the whole situation. Let it be somebody else's headache. Let somebody else deal with all the bad press. And I mean, NFL ownership, especially like what they have proven is they don't care if these players hurt women, all they care about is if they hurt the product on the field. And our franchise no longer has to be that target anymore. And the Cleveland gets to deal with that and let them deal with that. Yeah. I think for me, like, could he have gotten more, you know? Yeah. Possibly. Should he You have, I mean, obviously you should always, you know, try to get the most that you can. I mean, if you think about it, like this is a 25, 26 year old, I don't know how old he is quarterback that was in the prime of his career. Um, you know, you'd like to see four or five first round picks, but I think there comes a time now where it's like, you kind of have to, move on like yeah. they were hanging on so long and i'll say this i'm glad he i'm glad he wasn't traded last year before the trade deadline uh you know it would not have been as fruitful um and and if we if we're looking at the trade in totality <clears throat> with what the browns look like they're going to be going through this year uh without him for 11 games you know could they win with jacoby Brissett? look the roster take all bias out again the Cleveland roster is about as stacked as any roster in the NFL. Um, so if anybody, if any team in the NFL could potentially overcome a Deshaun Watson suspension for 11 weeks, it might be them, but Jacoby Brissett's not moving the needle. Um, and I, I, he's not more than a game manager. Now, luckily he has Nick Chubb. Good offensive line, somewhat good offensive line. They're going through a lot of injuries. Not going to be the same offensive line that they were used to last year. Um, and you know, I could see him being you know winning four games by week eleven. Their schedule is super tough. It's a tough schedule. Yeah. And if this works out in our favor, to where you know the team ends up going winning seven games, so they're seven and eleven. It's another top ten pick for the Texans. Um, so you know we're looking at potentially two top ten picks in back to back years. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I'm glad it's over with, I think he had to move on. We had to get it over with. We had to kick that cloud out and, um, and we did, and it, it kind of is what it is now the draft, uh, we, we saw last year what Nick was capable of doing without a first or a second round pick. He added depth and he added players at positions of need that came in day one. They really did players. Day one came in and made an impact. Now, not first-round impact, but they made an impact. Roy Lopez made an impact. Um, Nico Collins, not necessarily the year that we would have liked to see, but 
you know, when you have a carousel at quarterback, which is pretty much what happened last year, we didn't see just one quarterback throughout the rest of the year. Davis Mills got better um, towards the end of the year. But, I mean, last year's draft was a pretty solid draft. This year, with a first and a second, Derek Stingley out of LSU, cornerback. Look, you could say everything you want about the injury history. That's fine. And then go turn on the 2019 tape at LSU. And I don't know if you've ever seen a college cornerback play at the level that Derek Stingley played at at LSU in 2019. So a bit of a risk at three to be able to take a cornerback. Um, but also one of the mainstays on a defense, you have to have a guy that can shut down one side of the field. And Derek Stingley yeah, I mean, he had he can the... do that. Highest ceiling of any of the players in the draft from the pre-draft process. Like some, some, some of these guys. I mean, it happens every draft. No one expects them to be as good as they end up being in the NFL. But based on yeah. what you had seen prior to the draft, based on their college performance, highest highest ceiling player was Stingley. Yep. Out of the draft, like out of the draft. all all yeah. players, like not yeah, like yeah. just quarterback. Yeah, all players. Like, out right. of anybody that you've looked at, anything that they put on tape at this point in their careers in college, their best play, the player that played the best was Stingley. Yep. Now, will he have the best career? Who knows? But out of the what you can actually see and what he's got the measurables, he's got the ability, like, he probably the safest bet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Minus injuries, which you know is it's 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 the thing, and it's understandable mm-hmm. to have that that concern. And if this doesn't pan out, Nick Casario will get killed because all the red flags were there from an injury perspective to not invest at that high of a pick into a cornerback uh, with an injury history like Derek. Uh, but at the at the time of the draft, the potential definitely outweighed any of those potential injury stuff that could come from it in the future. So then he goes on to take Kenyon Green. Uh, guard who battled some injuries in uh, training camp, but in the third preseason game was pancaking fools left and right. Uh, looked like a very powerful guard. Look, I don't know if I've seen a guard play on the Texans O-line with that demeanor in <laughs> 10 to 12 years. Um, and it was a, it was a position of need. I mean, look, that offensive line, we've all known how bad that offensive line has been. Um, there's a reason why Deshaun Watson is still, even at training camp in the Cleveland Browns, running out as soon as he takes the snap because that's just what he's used to doing. Um, and it, it was needed. We needed a guard. Uh, it's not the sexy draft pick. It's not the draft pick most people want, but it is the draft pick we needed. Yeah, I mean, between the two of them, I mean, there's risk, but I would actually say that, of course, between the two of them, Again, performance-wise, like, they're both fairly safe picks if they stay healthy from what they've shown. Like, again, Green, his knock, again, injuries. Same with Stingley, injuries. I think having two first-round picks allows you to go after both of those guys, and they're both positions of need, and they're both very high-potential players. It's just will injuries happen in the NFL. And I mean, sometimes, sometimes you see a guy in college that's always hurt and they stay always hurt. And sometimes you see a guy in college that's hurt and then he gets to the NFL and magically he's healthy, which is better nutrition, better training, 
And, you know, sometimes it's just bad luck that they were getting hurt as often as they were. Now, the little bit that I saw of Green, the little bit, I mean, he was playing against third stringers at that point, but I mean, it, it was exciting. Like even against third stringers, um, he was just mauling people. Like, I mean, you can be hopeful that that continues. I think that he looked a lot better, especially in the run game than any, anybody we've had in a long time. Tackle, yeah. guard, center, um, even going back to Kubiak, because with Kubiak, with the stretch, they had to work as a unit, but an indiv- individual player that was just absolutely mauling somebody. Like, I don't think I've seen it from one of our gar- offensive linemen in a long time, if ever. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and then you look at Damian Pierce, uh, who, well, actually, let's go back. Let's go to Jalen Petrie in the second. Hard no safety, who has a nose for the football is always around it, is always making plays, has no problem tackling, and is an extremely aggressive player. Um, out of Baylor, has looked apart since being here. Another position of need, a guy I was extremely excited about prior to the draft, um, and gives you a ton of flexibility in the back end. Yeah. Again, between him and Stingley, like the secondary should be completely remade. They should play a lot more aggressive. And he's a little bit undersized. And I think Jordan didn't like him because he said he doesn't really fit. Um, he likes him as a player, but he didn't know if he liked him as a fit for the Texans because he didn't necessarily fit Lovey Smith's cover two. So it's one of those that we'll kind of see how they're used. But I mean, he had a great preseason. Him and Stingley both, I think that they did a. Uh, top five defensive grades and both of them were on the list and we'll talk about the other person that was on the list on the overall here in a minute yeah yeah and then uh, I'm trying to think in the third round who was it that we took um linebacker out of Alabama right uh oh no no no, Mechie Mechie Mechie. it was that's it that's why that's why John Mechie John Mechie taken uh literally Looked at as the steal of the draft by pretty much every draft analyst. Um, played with some great wide receivers at Alabama. Didn't necessarily have the year the years that some of the other Alabama wide receivers had, um, but definitely put a ton of great stuff on film. Looked to be that slot guy we needed, and then yeah, well, I mean John Hopkins lymphoma, and there's really like nothing yeah. you could do at that point, like. You just gotta, you gotta yeah. hope he gets better. You hope he gets healed and he comes back next year. The thing that was encouraging about him is you looked at the uh, the talent that he played with at wide receiver at Alabama, and you still looked at his what do they call it the target hog? How many the bunch of balls thrown his way, and it was still incredibly high. He was not the athlete that some of those guys were, but the ball was thrown to him. He tore his ACL in the SEC championship game, so you didn't get to see him on the national stage at the national championship. But he was a guy that, especially for where he was picked, could could have ended up being a still. But now we gotta we gotta kind of see. You can, you don't really know how cancer is gonna go. All we can do is, you know, just hope hope the best for him. Like hope he makes a speedy recover, and just go from there. Yeah, yeah. No, one hundred percent. All right, and then the the fan favorite, the guy that everybody is talking about, the guy everybody is. I mean, everybody's on cloud nine. Uh, Damian Pierce, running back, who just runs extremely violent, um, has does not shy away from contact in any form or fashion, might actually embrace it, uh, runs, has a great cutback, 
has great vision. Damian Pierce looks like a legit running back. And unlike most years where there's a chance we see a player in a position that's drafted and plays well and ends up not really seeing the field, that's the opposite of what we're seeing right now. And Damian Pierce is your number one running back, and he's held out from, from uh, I think it was week three, right, of the preseason. I don't think he played, or or it was one of the games I think week, he was held week out. Two, week, week two. They week two, week yeah, two yeah. they didn't play him. And then week three he came um, on and just killed it. Shredded yeah. the Shredded the Rams, which, I mean, it's definitely there to say. But he's a guy that was criminally underused by Florida. Like, you take a couple of looks at him, and you're like, in college, why didn't they run him more? Then you look at his college numbers, and he had great college numbers. They just had a lot of talent in Florida, and they had a strict rotation. They had a very strict rotation. It didn't matter how well or how poorly one of the running backs was playing. They rotated three guys, and they rotated them consistently. Um which I think is probably part of the reason why their coach got fired. Um, but, I mean, there's a reason to be excited about Damian Pierce. Like, he runs to contact. He falls forward. He may not have the best profile, athletic profile out there. Like, he may not have the measurables that you want, but he doesn't have bad measurables. And we've seen before, especially here as Texans fans, guys that know where to run and run and fall forward, they can have very good NFL careers. And then on top of that, like, he is just an absolute beast as a pass blocker. Absolute beast back there. Like, if no other reason, I mean, he'll be on the field just because he can pick up a blitzer. Like, no running back that I, I've i seen. Again, I hate to say, because I just said this about Green, but anybody that I've seen play on for the Texans in a long time. Like, he's just an absolute beast in pass protection. Yep. Nope, I agree uh, 100%. Uh, it's a very refreshing, and uh, I'm definitely open to it. Then we had Thomas Booker, Christian Harris, uh, a bunch of other guys later in, 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 the, in the latter rounds, but bringing us to training camp where we really start to see everything form. Lo- I think Lovey's really kind of won over the city. The thing I'll say the most is I think we're starting to see, and this is something I haven't seen anybody else talk about, but I think we're starting to see Cal get a little bit more comfortable in his role as owner. And I think a lot of people tend to forget that it wasn't just but three years ago that Bob died and Cal was kind of thrusted into ownership, let alone everything that he inherited when it came with it. Not sure he was aware of those things prior to the role change, but still how to manage it, how to determine how things happen, how to make decisions. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot for anybody to learn. Um, Do I think I could be thrown in a CEO role of a multi-billion dollar business and be ready to be the guy that makes decisions? Yes. Do I think I'll make the right decisions? No, I don't. I think there's going to be a lot of learning I'm going to have to do, and I'm going to have to fall upwards for things to work out. And unfortunately, Cal didn't fall upwards. He fell downwards, and uh, he had to pick himself up and figure it out. But now we're seeing him grilling burgers for fans. He's sending out all these things about the, the, the fans and the city and how important it is. There seems to be a little bit more transparency on their end. Um, the PR team on Twitter, at least social media team, has done a really good job of making great content that seem to be getting the fans excited again. It's ultimately going to come down to what the product looks like. I don't know. I, I don't, I don't consider this year to like start to say like, we're a winning franchise. We're, we're going to go places, but this is just year two of step two is kind of the way yeah, I look at I, it. And I'll say this in defense for Cal, like he's not, He's not just trying to make money. 
if nothing else, that's all what you can say about them. Um, like, may not agree with a lot of things that he does, may not agree with a lot of things that he may say or even believe, but I do say this with confidence that he's not just there trying to make money. He's just not, he wants the team to do well, regardless of anything. Like, his heart's in the right place. Now, it do, does that matter? We'll see. I mean, I've heard from several people within the organization. Um, we, we've talked to him in the past, too, you, that Cal isn't afraid to spend money. Like, he spends money on the players. He spends money on the facilities. He spends money on, like, the day-to-day stuff that you will see lacking in other franchises. And he apparently part of there's going to be something in the news here that i mean the person that told me this said that they thought it was going to happen last year but with with the stadium um just because the stadium needs upgrades and cal actually wants to spend more money within the stadium than he's allowed to spend so we'll see we'll see what that comes to um but it's just one of those things to kind of watch out for like he wants to have top tier stuff now he's also incredibly loyal to the people that have his ear and that may just part of it, him not having confidence with himself, which sometimes come across when he's speaking. That may also come from just, I don't know, the life that he's led. Like he's always been a billionaire's son and he's just in his position because of where he was born, which I mean, that's just the fact of the matter. So he's got to learn now on the job, like, he may have been around it his whole life, but he wasn't the guy that was actually doing it. And now he has to. So it doesn't really matter what his wants or his heart, where his heart is, unless he's able to start getting results and start figuring out who he should be listening to. Yeah, no, I so, agree. And I, I, I think, he, I think he's at least taking the right steps. Um, mm-hmm. And at, the, at this point, like as, as shitty as it sounds, the right steps after not seeing those right steps for so long um, are very like, uh, I'm open to them. I'd like to see them. I'd like to see more like, you know, there were so many missteps over the last three years that seeing the proper steps taken and the rebuild happening, not just on the field, but also outside of Mm -hmm. the film, the field and in the stands and with the fans and and the approach that they're taking. um, I think it's ideal and, I think it'll go a long way, but at the end of the day, like the product is always going to be the determination of how the fans react and what happens in the city of Houston. Um, So I'm all for it. So now we're here and you know, Davis Mills is the topic of conversation. We're in week one now taking on a Colts team that if I'm being honest and I say this every year, but they 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 might have actually answered their question at quarterback. And they might actually be the Colts team that we thought we would see for the last two years. Jonathan yeah. oh, Taylor, yeah. I mean. still young. Matt Ryan is not a bad quarterback in any form or fashion. He is definitely an upgrade from any quarterback they have had since Andrew Luck has retired. He's 10 times better than Carson Wentz. He's 10 times better than an old Phillip Rivers. He's better than Jacoby Brissett. I mean, he's just – he's overall a better quarterback, and he's a consistent quarterback, which was the biggest thing that they were lacking over the last two seasons was a, a consistent consistent quarterback play. Um, defense is fine. Offensive line is an issue. 
uh, probably their weakest spot on their roster is going to be their offensive line. But this Colts team is a good Colts team, and they're going to get better as the season goes on. I could see a situation where the Texans win this week just because I think it'll I think the Colts are going to take some time to really put things together for Frank Reich to really get things going. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if the Colts made it to the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship, I, I really honestly wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a very, very good team. It's like you take – they still have Quentin Nelson. They still have Darius Leonard. Um, two very, very good players that they got in one draft, which is still crazy. And then you have Jonathan Taylor, who is an absolute beast at running back. Like, he may be the best running back in the AFC South, and this I'm saying this with Derrick Henry, because you don't know how yeah. Derrick Henry is going to bounce back. Um, obviously, everybody that plays fantasy football, Jonathan Taylor was consensus number one. The only other guy that came close is McCaffrey, and that was because McCaffrey has that just receiving ability on top of that. And part yeah. of the reason, though, is their schedule. Um, if we are the team last year, we and our ability to stop the run, he's going to run all over us. Like, Matt Ryan doesn't have to do much at all. And yeah. the thing about the Colts is they also have depth behind him. Like Naheem Hines is a great um, receiving back. Um, so the Colts, yeah, I mean, the Colts are going to be scary. And I hate it whenever we have to compliment the Colts because I don't want them to be good. No one wants them to be good. But Matt Ryan's a professional quarterback. He's accurate. Um, he's got a great running back with Jonathan Taylor. Um, they've got depth there. Uh, Pittman's going to be a very solid receiver. And that's just guys off the top of my head without even really doing any research. Like the only thing that we have going for us is the Colts always lose on opening week. Matt Ryan always loses on opening week. And we're going to, the Texans are going to be better than a lot of, I think analysts expect. doesn't mean we're going to be good, but we're going to surprise some teams. I think like, I think we're going to surprise some, some people. And this week, not having a lot of tape on us is one of the advantages that we have. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree. Um, I, I think it. I think the Colts are going to be a really good team, um, and that's just the way it's 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 going to be. I, I I do think that they, um, I think that they probably run away with the division. Uh, I'm not really buying into the Titans this year. I I do believe that this is likely the year that we see the fall off from Derrick Henry, and it's only because Father Time is undefeated when it comes to running backs. It's, it's just the way it works. And I getting rid of AJ Brown doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, especially for an unproven commodity. Um, it was a weird trade. I thought it was a weird approach from the Titans. Um, and I, I think that just the Colts are just a better coached and better ran team. If you just look at the way they built their team. So uh, the Jags, I'm not expecting anything out of, but, but with the Texans and Colts this week, I think it's going to be really interesting. You know, I don't know if we're going to see only Tampa two from Lovey. Uh, last year, we saw a lot of different things mixed in with Tampa two, with with this typical Tampa towards two the coverage, end. yeah, uh, especially towards the end. Um, I'm hoping that we see a little bit more than that. Um, I think all the question marks are really around the offense and Davis Mills, and I think it's all fair. I think all the questions are fair. We've seen an inconsistent Davis Mills in preseason. We saw an inconsistent Davis Mills last year in his rookie campaign. Uh, while he did have finished the year extremely strong, and, and how you would want to finish a year, he you know he definitely did that considering he was a third round rookie, um, second best 
rookie quarterback in 2021 NFL season, only behind Mac Jones. Um, but, you know, Pep Hamilton at OC is a little bit of a difference here, a little change. Um, and I think I'm not a huge fan of Pep at OC. I never really was a big fan of Pep at OC. I like Pep as QB coach. I think he definitely is that. Um, I understand us potentially losing him if we wouldn't have promoted him. But what we saw in Indianapolis as OC kind of scares me about what we'll see from this offense moving forward. Um, he did, you know, we saw some wrinkles in the preseason that made me feel a little bit better about it. But I just wonder if we'll see more of it. But, John, I guess, like, from an expectations perspective for Davis Mills, I mean, where 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 are your expectations for him? Uh, you know, because I mean, you weren't ever a Mills fan. You you weren't you didn't like the pick. You thought it really didn't make sense, especially because you know, obviously, third round quarterback, very small chance that turns into anything, and showed us a lot at the end of the season. Has anything changed for you on on Davis? Well, I mean, just kind of refresh everybody where I'm at on Mills. I thought that the Texans had too many holes to take a quarterback at that time. Like it, it's a it's a lottery pick. Like. You sit yeah. there and it's like, if you hit on Mills, then you have an asset that is invaluable, a cheap quarterback um, that you can build around. If you miss on Mills, then you wasted a third round pick when we didn't have a lot of draft picks at the time. For yeah. me, part of it was, like I said, I don't, I don't know what their board looks like. I don't know what players they liked and they didn't like. But to me, it was just like, wasn't there other players available that we were more of a sure thing? Um, Mills, lots and lots of talent. There's a reason why he was a five-star. He was the top um, pro um, prospect uh, the, the year that he was uh, recruited to Sanford. Um, and that was a very big get for them. Like, he was, like, their best prospect since, since Andrew Luck. Like, okay. So there is talent there. Um, but there's, there wasn't a lot on him. Like, you don't know how he's going to be if he's going to be good or if he was going to be bad based on his college numbers, like very up and down. Sometimes it looked like he had a plus arm. Sometimes it looked like what is wrong with his arm? Like he just wasn't very consistent with his throwing. Um, and there wasn't enough to see if he had a lot of really good um, decision-making because there was a couple of games where he just looked like he was an NFL ready quarterback. And there was other games where he didn't. So last year was essentially his senior year. Um, and he had a senior year in the NFL against NFL level talent. First comes out, first couple of games against some very, very good defenses, does not look good. And then the Patriots game happened, and he kind of relaxed and stopped being safe and would just let the ball rip. And he was essentially at his best when he was making quick decisions and he wasn't getting happy feet. When he was doing that and his time to throw was low, he actually looked pretty good. And after being benched for Tyrod and then coming back for Tyrod, he showed more consistency with that, like, again, if he wasn't being rushed, or I mean, if he wasn't rushing himself, it didn't matter what the pass rush, because he was always under fire with our offensive line. Like, he was always under pressure. It was with him. If he wasn't getting happy feet, if he was staying in, making his reads and making quick decisions, he was doing well. If he was forcing it to Cooks, that got a little bit predictable and kind of fell in love with Cooks at times, which I get when he was our best receiver by a mile. Um, almost so much that he looked better against the Titans when Cooks got hurt, which made absolutely no sense, but that's what happened. So where am I at on Mills currently? He's shown something. He's shown growth. I've said last year that he has shown that he's going to be in the NFL 
for 10, 15 years, no matter what. Now, whether or not that's as a starter or a backup, that remains to be seen. Uh, preseason, kind of iffy. Um, again, there's mo there was moments where he looked good, moments where he didn't, moments where he looked really bad. Um, same sort of problem. When he got happy feet, he didn't look good. But when he looked confident, he did look good. And that's ultimately what it came down to. Does he? Will he find the confidence to play with confidence? Getting named as a starter, getting named as the quarterback for the entire season should give him that. Like, that is his team. This is his job to lose. If he comes out and he plays as a plus quarterback, the Texans are set. Next year, I would put money on next year them being a playoff team. If he comes out and he doesn't, well, they have two first-round picks and they're going to go get the right quarterback. Now, for Davis Mills, what do I think is going to happen? I honestly have no earthly idea because we're constantly coming back to the fact that he was the second-best rookie quarterback. Well, the rookie quarterbacks last year just weren't any good. Like, yeah. Just because you're the second-best rookie, you were still one of the seven worst quarterbacks in the league last year. Now, that's overall. He also had some things that were very, very encouraging. Um, There's a site out there that they took average talent play, um, average play from a base level quarterback. And they essentially ranked Davis Mills as having the highest um, elevating effect on the talent around him. The Texans talent was so bad that if you put a regular quarterback in, what their expected results would be bad. You put Davis Mills in, they went from being bad to being mediocre, which was a huge jump. So part of it may be Mills just needs more people around him that are good. He may be that sort of quarterback. Like you give him good players, he's going to make them better players, but he's not going to carry a team, which, you know, I'd be more than happy with if that's what he turns out to be. And I think that would yeah. be something that we could be very, very excited about. But there was other things that were kind of looked at. Um, the numbers were skewed. Like he had one of the highest um, deep ball percentages, like passer rating on deep balls. But when somebody actually scaled it back, he also was the least selective on his deep balls. Of course, he had a high percentage because he took the sure shots. He didn't push it. He didn't risk it. Again, depends on how you look at it. If you want a quarterback to make risky throws, what's the level of risk? Like there's got to you. You don't want them to be so conservative that they always check down, but you don't want them to be so aggressive that they're always throwing it to the other team. Like, what is it between Rex Grossman, just throw, just throw, or, uh, Jay Cutler, the arm punts, uh, where you just let it rip and see if see if the other team catches it versus all the way down to check down Charlie where, you know, they can make a living just throwing those five-yard passes forever. And you want somebody that's kind of in between that. Now we got to find out where Davis Mills is. Is he going to be so conservative that he's always going to check it down? Or is he going to find a little bit of that fire and he's going to start to push it? Because if he's always going to yep. be that conservative, like it just puts a cap on what the team could be. You need a guy that can go out there and you can make risk and make plays. And he has to show that he can do that. Yeah, I think that the conservative aspect, that's what worries me about Pep and what we saw from him as a play caller prior to. Like for a lot of people that didn't like B.O.B.'s play calling, if history repeats itself from what we saw from Pep and Indy, it's going to be interesting to see how fans react to Pep Hamilton's play calling unless it has changed, which hopefully it has, you know, there's, he's a young guy. So some of the changes that he needed to make gives him an opportunity to do it now. Um, you know, where I stand with Davis, I do like Davis still. I think Davis is a, a, a uh, above average quarterback. Um, I think he has the potential to be a good quarterback. I think he's shown a lot of growth. And when you take into account the amount of college games he played, 
now adding, I mean, he's played a total of 22 games between college and NFL. I, I still think that there's a lot of room for him to grow, um, but consistency is the thing. His pocket presence has to improve quite a bit. Um, but he can make all the throws. He's, he's shown yeah. that he can make every single throw that needs to be made. But can well, I mean, he do it on a consistent level? Can he do right. it every snap? And that's where I think a lot of the questions around Davis Mills come right now is, can that be I mean, something we see from him? He's shown flashes. Like, he's shown the ability to make every throw. He has shown the arm strength. He's shown accuracy. He's shown it in flashes. He has shown flashes of being an absolute master at manipulating the pocket, finding that little space to, to just maneuver in and avoid the rush and make throws. He's also shown times where he looks absolutely lost. Again, he's yeah. a rookie with not a lot of playing experience. So could he grow into to it? Yeah, he has shown enough, and you can kind of understand why the Texans took the risk. He has shown enough where, yeah, he could potentially be something, but he hasn't shown it as a definitive. Like, that's just where I've always been on Mills. It's like you just you don't know what you've got. Like, he... He's shown enough that I can kind of I can understand why people are excited, but he hasn't shown enough that he is the answer. Um, he hasn't shown enough, and I almost say it where it's like the worst case is he's just a good quarterback. Like he's just a good quarterback because then that means the team will almost be stuck with him, where you're just stuck with just a good quarterback, where you're in that purgatory. Uh, what do they call it? The the David Carr line is that or. The car, the car line right now, um, where oh Derek Carr, I'm sorry, mm. you know, get him except with the Raiders, where he's just good enough that you can't get rid of him, but he's not good enough that you ever feel like you're actually going to progress. And that would that's kind of the worst case scenario. Like you'd almost rather Mills crashes and burns. You get your high draft pick, go after a guy that might have a higher ceiling, not necessarily safer because you never really know, especially with quarterbacks, or. You know, Mills goes out there and he just plays Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan level. And you're like, okay, that's good enough that we can build around or Kirk Cousins level. Maybe a little bit better than Kirk Cousins, you hope. But um, that level where you're, there's enough faith where it's like, okay, he may not be a superstar quarterback, but he's going to be good enough that we're going to be able to win games with him consistently and a lot of games with him. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I think he could. Uh, the ringer, Steven Ruiz, who is a hit or miss as a writer, uh, put out his quarterback rankings uh, this morning uh, and had Davis Mills as the 29th ranked uh, NFL quarterback. Uh, I wanted to go through some of the names and then I, just simple, uh, David, you would either say their name or Davis, whoever you would take over them. Based on only, and this is all we're basing it on, only what we've seen in the NFL from these quarterbacks. Fair? Okay. Okay. Justin Fields. Davis Mills. Carson Wentz. Davis Mills. Daniel Jones. Davis Mills. Jared Goff. You see, that one's actually really tough. Uh, peak, it is tough. It is tough. Pete Goff gets you to a Super Bowl. Right. Like, and and, and that, Goff that. last year, the final six games of the regular season at with the Lions actually played out of his mind. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> golf on that contract. Yep. That's another that's a thing against him with that well, contract. And he's also hit, he's also hit his peak. 
Let's be clear. Yeah. And he's to take him as a quarterback going forward. Probably Mills because. Oh, I don't know. Like I'd probably Mills. How I many more games there's, would you win last there. year? How many more games would you win last year if Jared Goff was your quarterback? For us for the entire season, maybe two. Yep. See, maybe. I don't think we'd win it. I don't think we'd win anymore. I think the the roster was bad. The offense was bad. The mm-hmm. run game was bad. There was no talent around him. I can't see Goff thriving in that. No, but I think that there was some things that that Mills did that Goff could have done better, uh, and same with Taylor. Um, I think there's been times where like the offense last year just completely disappeared, and not to say Goff would have been bad or good, but I think he would have been able to get a little bit more. Just, okay. And, okay. I mean, it's and and, it, and it's tough to say. Now Fair. to build a, and I'm t- I'm talking about as what I expect for this. When, how I'm also looking at it is what I expect for this season, too. Like not just building. Would I rather build a franchise around him? What I expect from this season. So you expect Goff to have a better year than Mills this year? I think so. Okay. I think so. Okay. Um, uh, but I think, I mean, if we had to have him for three years, I would, I'd actually go with Mills over Goff. That's where okay. it kind of gets tricky. What about Trey Lance? Um, I'd still take Mills. Tua. Tua's kind of tough, too. I would take I, Mills. I, I think I he's believe, got a better I, arm. I, 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 I think he's yeah, got a better that's, arm. That's where I was going to go. Geno Smith. Mills. Who Steven Ruiz has his as ranked as his 22nd best quarterback in the NFL. Wow. Yeah, the guy who flamed out, but that's fine. Uh, Jalen Hurts. It's a tough one. I think I'd probably, I, I think I'd probably take Hurts. Yeah, I think I'd take Hurts too. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Mills. Over Mayfield? Really? Mm-hmm. Between the contract, between Baker's habit of getting into trouble. Yeah. Um, okay. And I mean, I, I think Baker has a lot more talent than Mills. Yeah, I do But too. part of what makes, what makes um, Mayfield good is also what makes him bad. It's that chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Um, that he just can't, he can't tone it down. And mm. he's a guy that. From a talent-wise, and if you got him really cheap, like what the Panthers are ending up playing for, paying for him this year, like I may not have been opposed to that on the Texans. Um, doesn't necessarily mean I would have loved it, but I think that Mayfield has talent. He's just a head case. Whereas Mills, yeah. I think Mills is going to be one of those guys that can potentially maximize the talent that he has. Like he's, I mean, he's not untalented. He's like he's got decent talent. But he's never going to be a head case. My fear with Mills is he's going to be too conservative, whereas Baker's okay. too aggressive. Okay. All right. Uh, last one, Marcus Mariota. I would take Mills, but I like Mariota. I still like yeah. Mariota. I think Mariota, it's oh. just injuries, and it, it's injuries. Okay. So three quarterbacks you would take over Mills. Um and so that would put your ranking of Mills at 22 instead of 29, which honestly I, I believe is where Mills should be, around 22 to 24, 25. I definitely wouldn't have him as the third worst quarterback in the NFL. Um, no. But that's just me. Uh, okay, so uh, we, have, we have a couple minutes left. 
and we're going to try to get an episode out every week, guys. Uh, we're just not going to be live anymore. Um, Colts, Texans, this Sunday, NRG. Um, also, if you guys want to link up with me and John at the Browns game, it, well, there's a couple games we're going to together. I forgot which ones they are, but um, let us know. We'll let you I'll guys be, know. I'll right, be at the Colts too. game, too. Oh, you're going to be at the Colts game? I'm not going. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're not going at all? I, I gave the I gave the tickets away. Ah. On Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I just got back from LA. I wanted to be home for the weekend. Um but um Colts Texans. What what do you think the outcome is? I don't need a score. I I really don't. Um but but do the Texans have a chance? I just want us to be I mean it, 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 this almost sounds like a dad answer, like talking about a little team. Yeah. I just want them to be competitive. Just be fun to watch. Just don't get steamrolled. Yeah. Um, I think that if they stay competitive, um, then I think that there's a chance that they could sneak one in yep. um, and beat the Colts. But the Colts are a very, yep. very good team. So they are. My, hopes aren't, my ho- hopes aren't high. And, yeah. I mean, I'm also saying this as somebody that didn't watch a lot of the preseason, didn't play a lot of attention to the offseason news. A lot of this is just going off. Um, pretty much everything pre-draft, but the Colts do look like they're going to continue to be a solid team. And I, I could be completely wrong. They could fall off a cliff. Um, Matt Ryan's arm could be dead. And we come out, we could smack the Colts around, and everybody thinks that we're a great team. And we're really not. <laughs> but those are the type of, types of things that can always happen in the NFL. So we watch it. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we lose. I, I also wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we won. I also wouldn't be surprised if we got steamrolled. Um, yeah. I think the Colts have a lot to show. I think they have a lot to prove. Um, I think Matt Ryan has a lot to prove. Uh, and I, I think it's, uh, I think it go, could go either way. I think it, it could be a field goal game. Um, but I promise you the second time we play the Colts, as long as that roster is still intact and not injured, not injured, um, I, I could see them beating us pretty badly the second time around, but maybe we get better too. And maybe, maybe other things happen, but, uh, I, I would say if my gut tells me the Colts win this game. Yeah. Uh, I um, agree. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, that's, I think that's about it, John. We got anything else? Anything else we need to cover? Anything else we need to talk about? Did an hour today. It's pretty good. Pretty good for throwing something <laughs> together quickly. Uh, you know, or no chance to research. Pretty much an hour heads up. I think we, I think we did all right. We found stuff to talk yeah, about. Yeah, good. I, th- I think everybody will be happy that at least something's out. Uh, so that'll you know, be good. That we we'll, we'll start still. to settle in. Yeah, <laughs> we'll start. We'll start to settle in more and more as the season comes. And after the season, I don't know what what we have planned or if we'll have anything planned. But I promise you, we should be here at least for the season. So, um, with that being said, I'm James Young Ari Gold. That's John Wade. Signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Enjoy week one Texans Colts.